Hello, everybody. Welcome back. I am here today to talk about a topic that was requested by a listener. Um, someone named Alex emailed me and asked if I could dedicate an episode to the positive aspects of having autism, which I thought was a great idea. Um, it is a little bit easier sometimes, I think, to get into conversation about the way that ASD or um, neurodiversity in general can affect us negatively because that does show up a lot in our lives. But um, I think that every negative aspect also has a very positive spin to it. So like all of the things that I view as maybe things that can affect me negatively also have a bright side and a positive side to them. So today I'm going to talk about several things um, that I feel affect my personal life, my, my experience of autism in a positive way. Um, and we'll see if some of you guys relate to some of these and I'm going to try and stay away from saying, going into any of the negative aspects of these things. Some of these things, you know, do sometimes cause a trouble, but also can be really wonderful aspects of my personality and my neurotypes. So let's talk a little bit about the positive things. So I have quite a few here. I've actually been thinking about this a lot lately, and it's just funny that I got an email about it because I felt like that was the universe sort of prompting me to, to talk about this out loud because I have been sort of weighing like, okay, so I was listening to this other podcast. It was actually on YouTube, um, a show called, ooh, oh gosh, what's the name of it? I think it's called Somewhere on the Spectrum, and it is by, done by um, my favorite poet in the entire world. His name is Tyler Not Gregson who I had no idea was autistic until I saw someone post about him and saying that he had this podcast about autism. And I was like, oh, that makes sense that he's autistic because his, I can just, now that someone said, I was like, oh, I can see now, like through his writing and stuff, how that just makes sense. Um, and being a person who writes poetry myself, I just... I don't know, I've always just related to his work and the things that he writes, and it's just funny that we are of the same neurotype. So anyway, um, so I started watching that on YouTube, and he does the show with his friend Ash. Um, his name is actually Ash Raymond James, and he's also a poet, and I believe he's in the UK, and he's great too. Um, I actually just ordered one of his books, and I'm enjoying it thoroughly. And the two of them together, they're real good friends. They're both autistic. And um, they were both talking about... I really liked the podcast because, for one, it was a lot of positivity. Um, and a lot of talk about, like, the things... The way that their autism has helped them in their lives as creators and um, 
writers and things like that. So that was cool. That was a good aspect of the podcast. Um, and, but there was one episode that they were like, that they both agreed that if they had the opportunity to change their neurotype and be neurotypical, that they would not do it. And it got me thinking about that within my own self and my own life and considering if I would ever change. And the answer is no, like my autism, although it has, um, contributed to some struggles, it's really, it, it is a beautiful thing and it's made me who I am. Like, I don't know what I would be like if I wasn't autistic. I feel like I would be boring. (laughs) Not to say that neurotypical people are boring. Um, that's not what I'm trying to say. And I'm sorry if anyone neurotypical is listening. That's not my intent, but like, I feel like personally, the way my mind processes and the way my brain works and the way I am as a human, there's a lot of complexity to it. And I don't know if you could necessarily ever understand as a neurotypical person from the outside in, or if it's even possible to explain. Like, I'm just trying to think of the words right now to explain. It's kind of impossible. I can't really explain how my brain works or what would be missing. And I guess I don't really know because I've never been neurotypical, so I don't know what it would be like to have a different way of being. But it is an interesting thing to think about, right? I'm wondering what how you guys feel. Would you change your neurotype if possible? I have a feeling most people would say no. Um, there probably are some people out there who would say yes. And much respect to you. Like, it's a very personal thing. And I know some people, um, I've definitely heard some people say that they do not enjoy their autism and don't appreciate it and don't like being the way that they are at all. Um, which I also respect that way of being. Um, everyone's different. Everyone has their own journey. Everyone has their personal challenges and yeah. So anyway, the beginning of this episode is kind of tangenty. I'm sorry. It's the afternoon. It's hot here right now. So hot in California, you guys. Oh, it's been like days and days and days up above 100, between like 100 and 110 usually, which isn't unusual for the summertime here. So it's not like it's odd, but I just don't do very well in the heat. I don't, in extreme temperatures at all. I just can't. I'm, ugh, it's hard. And over the weekend, Today's Monday, and over the weekend, we rescued a piglet. Um, My partner and I, we already have a pet pig who we've had for about two years now. Um, Her name is Bean, and we call her Queen Bean because she runs the world around here. She's so just smart and sassy, and pigs are beautiful, wonderful creatures. And, but since pigs are... Okay, I'm going to go on a little tangent about pigs. (laughs) Um, but people are usually curious about pigs, so I'll assume that you guys aren't going to get bored. And then I promise after this little tidbit, I'll get into the episode. But um, pigs are really intelligent social creatures. And so we knew this when we adopted her. Um, but at the time we adopted her, we could not take any of her siblings because we only had room in our life for one pig. And she was going to be living in the house. And yes, pigs can live in the house. They're very clean. 
they're easy to house train, they're very good inside the house pets if you know how to work with pigs. It's not like having a dog, so don't run out and get a pig and think it's going to be like having a dog because it's not and they're challenging, but they are wonderful in certain ways. I think this is why this is just dawning on me. Maybe this is why I love pigs so much and pigs have been a thing since I was a kid and I've always loved pigs and always wanted a pet pig, so when we finally got one, I was very excited, but maybe, yeah, I relate to pigs a lot. They're misunderstood. <laughs> They're very complex. They're a little bit difficult at times to figure out and you really have to be present with them. And if you are, and if you're patient and if you're willing to let them be who they are, they're wonderful. So I just had an epiphany. Maybe I was a pig in a former life. Um, so anyway, we rescued another little baby pig because our pig, um, started to feel a little depressed, we think, because this can happen with pigs when they're the only piggy in the household. It doesn't always happen. Um, but she transitioned to living outside full time for the summer. She just, just didn't want to come back in the house one day. And we were like, okay, so we built her a little area outside and she's been great, but because she's not around us all day, I think, anymore, she started getting lonely and she started getting depressed. And so we rescued a little pig who's five months old. Her name is Duck. She's adorable. And it's been a whirlwind of a situation. It's a big change. It's a lot. Um, piglets, you have to put in a little bit of work and time to train them correctly so they don't have behavioral issues and things like that. So we're going to be busy with that, but it's been wonderful. But anyway, that long tangent, all to say, this is why my brain's a little bit scrambled right now. And maybe I'm a little more talkative than usual because I'm very excited because I love her so much. And when things get me excited, I tend to have a hard time calming down. Is anyone else like this? <laughs> I definitely, um, I definitely, when I'm excited about something, it's just like, I'm excited. I'm all in. I'm just like, I'll be excited now for over this for a while. It's just, I, yeah, it's great. I love it. Okay. Anyway, so positive aspects of ASD. Let's get into it. So the first thing that I did make a list, I don't usually plan these episodes ahead of time, but I wanted to take a minute to think about what I was going to say and what the things are that I appreciate. So I do have a list. So the first thing on the list is um, that myself as an autistic person, I don't really take social norms into consideration. I sort of defy convention. I always have. Um, whenever there's been a time in my life when I've tried to fit in to like social norms or be more conventional, I've become very unhappy. I don't feel like myself. I, it's just not, it's, I can't, it's hard. I, so that is a thing that I really appreciate about myself and my ASD because it gives me the ability to be unapologetically myself, first of all. And also throughout my life, I've always kind of been able to just sort of jump right into things and not really care too much what other people think about me or my decisions. Um, and I think it's just because 
I, I don't really understand who made the rules. Like, it all seems very arbitrary to me. It's like, who decided that this was the way we need to do things? Or who decided that I'm not allowed to have this hair color if I want to work in this industry? Like, who decided that a woman isn't supposed to be wearing this thing or doing this thing? Like, none of it makes sense. And if something doesn't make sense to me, I'm not going to follow it. So, that's that. Number two creativity. Um, I've always been highly creative and I know there are people who are not autistic who are creative, of course, but I feel like my personal creativity stems a lot from my autism just because of the way my brain operates, the way it thinks about things, the way, um, I'm so focused on details and I can if I conjure up an image in my head it's highly detailed um complex usually and same with like writing writing um painting I kind of suck at drawing. I can't really draw very well, guys. But um, if I could, I'm sure it would be great. Um, I'm sure my autism would lend to that as well. Um, But yeah, I've always just been able to think of things. You know, I look at things at different angles. I see things from different perspectives than maybe others would. Um... Yeah. Creativity. Okay. Next one. I have an exceptional long-term memory. And I've heard that this is a characteristic of autism. And a lot of autistic people have this. Um, my short-term memory can be very questionable. But my long-term memory is pretty amazing. And I love this because I do remember a lot of good times in my life in really great detail. Like, I can remember, like, going to my grandma's house. I remember exactly what everything looked like, where everything was in every room. I remember the way it smelled, like just talking about her house, I can like smell it. Like, you know how houses have a certain smell? My grandma's house always had this very distinct smell. She was always baking. My grandmother has an amazing smell. She's so like, I just love my grandma so much. Ah, um, I remember what we would eat when I would go over there. She was always, she would always kind of make me the same things. Cause I've always been a same foods kind of person. Um, and she kind of is too, which is funny. Um, so just like think being able to think back on my life and remember things in such vivid detail is, I love that. I love that I can do that. My partner cannot do that. My partner hardly remembers anything about their childhood at all. And I'm like, really? And they're just amazed that I can remember all these things. And I'm, re- I'm amazed that they can't remember anything. Um, but maybe that's like 
I don't know. I just always thought it was regular to be able to remember all this stuff, but I don't think a lot of people do have those deep, detailed memories. Okay, next one. Sensory sensitivity. Now, a lot of times this one is looked at as a negative. True. But also, like, if we spin it and look at the positive aspects of it, I like, oh, I just heard my Roomba start going. And this is where, okay, so my hearing is very good because the Roomba is like two rooms away and I just heard it. You know how they go, if any of you have a Roomba, they'll go like dock themselves to charge and then they'll just start up again at a random moment. And I hate that. I'm like, will you be more predictable? I thought you were done vacuuming, but I guess you're not done vacuuming. You were just charging and now you're running again. And I thought you were done. It's Rosie. It's Rosie the Roomba. Anyway, I can hear her going. So if you hear something in the background, if she comes this way, it's just my Roomba. Um, anyway, sensory sensitivity. So um, I really do like that I have a very keen sense of hearing. Um, I like that... I can appreciate textures of things. If I'm walking through a store with you and there's something soft, I'm going to touch it. Like, I just appreciate the feel of things, the texture of things. Um, I'm a very visually oriented person. So, like, if something is visually beautiful, I, I feel like it's even more intense for my eyes because my... I am very sensitive to everything. So it's like just being sensitive to everything is kind of an awesome thing. You know what I mean? Again, I will reiterate, I know sensory sensitivities are a huge negative for many people and they do disrupt a lot of autistic people's lives. But like also these things in the right setting can be almost like a superpower. You know, it's like you're heightened above everyone else around you. And that's kind of cool if you think about it, you know? You just have to figure ways to work around your sensory sensitivities, which isn't always possible, I know. But I think, like, the older and more experienced we get and the more we get to know ourselves, that becomes a lot easier. And maybe you can start appreciating these aspects of yourself more. Um, so there's that. The next one is perfectionism. I really appreciate my ability to want to fine-tune the crap out of something before it's like I strive for perfection in most things at least okay I strive for perfection most in things I care a lot about or in things that I know other people are going to see or use or whatever um there are aspects of my life where I'm not a perfectionist at all where I totally miss the details and I'll be like oops I forgot about that thing and I'll make like dumb mistakes and stuff um but if I care about the thing or if I know someone else is going to care about the thing I really hone in on all of the fine details I want to get it right I want it to be as amazing as it possibly can be. I know perfect, I've had to teach myself that perfect can sometimes be an unhealthy thing to strive for because, again, going back to the social convention thing, like, what is perfect? Who even decides what that is, right? 
Um, and often it's not possible. And maybe it's not possible because so many people do have a different view of what quote unquote perfect means. Perfect to me might mean something totally different than perfect to someone else. Um, but I try and get up to my own standards, my own level of perfection as close as I can to it. And I really enjoy that about myself. I think that that's a good quality to have and it's served me really well in many aspects of my life. The next one, I think a lot of people will relate to this one. Um, I am very prone to honesty and straightforwardness. I do not lie. (laughs) I can't. I have a difficulty with lying. It makes me very uncomfortable and the hardest part about this is when you're in a social situation where you know that there's a lie or something being untold amongst the group or like between two people. Like maybe I know something and I know I'm not supposed to say anything about it. Like not like something positive, like a surprise or something, but like if something happened and maybe that person's like, oh gosh, don't tell so-and-so. And I'm like, oh God, please don't try and make me keep a secret because then I feel like I'm lying. If What if the person asks me about it? I don't know what to say. I don't want to lie. I'm terrible at it. I just can't. I can't. And straightforwardness too. Okay, so my straightforwardness, I've, I can really wrangle that. Like I know it's a, um, it's a myth or like a stereotype, I guess, that autistic people are very blunt. Like they're very Sheldon. If you've watched the Big Bang Theory, like they just say whatever straightforward, whatever comes out and don't really consider how it's going to land. Um, or don't even really know, um, don't have the wherewithal to like realize if something's the wrong thing to say in the moment or whatever, which that is an aspect of autism. I've definitely done it and been oblivious, um, or have said something and then been immediately been like, Oh God, that was the wrong thing to say. I can't believe that just came out of my mouth. Um, But for the most part, I've learned to really filter myself, be able to filter. And if I'm thinking something, I take a beat, usually, hopefully, um, before it comes out of my mouth so I can be like, wait, how is this person going to receive this? And I've gotten pretty good at that. Um, But my straightforwardness is more like, um, it goes, I guess, along with like the not being able to lie thing. I feel like if I'm not being straightforward with someone that, that in a way, I feel like I'm lying to them. I feel like I'm, it's like uncomfortable. Um, you know, I just, I'm like, why not just get everything out there? Just put it all out on the table. Like, I don't like keeping things in. I don't understand why people just don't say things that are on their mind. Why sometimes people don't talk at all. They just sort of like, ignore an issue or not say anything about something that they're feeling and I'm like can we just get this out in the open like I don't know so I feel like this makes me a trustworthy person a good communicator I really just can't and don't enjoy keeping things in, um, what's the word? What's the term I'm thinking? Like beating around the bush. 
don't even know. I don't know where any of these things come from, but you know, no beating around the bush or when there's an elephant in the room, you know how they say that. Um, like, let's just get out and say what, what's on our minds. How freeing would that be if the whole world was like that? Goodness gracious. Okay. Next one. I am a very deep and analytical thinker. I consider all aspects of all things all day, which yes, at times can trip me up and be exhausting, but this is a thing that goes back to like, I was talking at the beginning about Tyler, not Gregson and Ash Raymond James and them saying they wouldn't want to change themselves and me agreeing with that because this is one of the things that it's like, if this was gone, if I didn't think this way, what would even be going on in my brain all day? Because I spend the entirety of my life. I mean, I feel like even when I'm asleep, my dreams are just, it's like my brain never shuts off. Um, so I analyze everything. And yes, this could be seen as a fault or as annoying by others around me, <laughs> which I've been told. And you know what? I don't care because this is the way my brain works. And if you don't like that I analyze everything, then don't be around me because this is not going to change. I've always been this way. I've always thought very deeply about everything. And I love it. I love that I'm like that for the most part. Like I said, it can sometimes trip me up. But like, I, um, I think a lot about the future. I think a lot about the past. Not even like my own past, but like the past of the world, the past of the universe. Like, the future of the universe, where everything's headed. I'm so interested in astronomy because of this. It's like, I love learning about like how we all began, how they think it's going to end. Um, the evolution of humans, just the details of everything. And I think so deeply about all of it. And even like my day-to-day -day decisions, I have to just I have to analyze, like, what are the details of this? Let me consider all aspects of it. You know, is there something deeper here? And I feel like even in communication, if I could stand um, talking all day and listening all day and not get tired of that, I think I could make a pretty good therapist because I'm very good at looking at the layers of things at being like, okay, we can see the surface of this. Like, what's underneath it? Like, what are the details? What did this person just say? Like, let me pick this apart. Like, what's going on behind that thought? You know, it's like, it's a constant... I told one of my therapists one time that I feel like I have a hamster wheel in my head because it's just always going, 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 going. Um, but I think that's awesome. I definitely wouldn't change that about myself. Um... Maybe 10 years ago, I wouldn't have said that because a lot of people have told me that that's not a good way to be, or maybe it's annoying, but now I'm embracing it about myself. So there you go. Take that people. Um, the next one is my ability to hyper-focus and 
this one, I haven't quite learned how to control the hyperfocus. When it hits, it's it hits and it hits hard. And I have a very hard time breaking away from what I'm doing or thinking about or researching or whatever. Um, but this way of being also without this, I do not know what my life would be like because I enjoy the hyper-focus. I really love being able to just dive into something and forget the rest of the world exists. Like this is the only thing that I notice or care about right now is this one thing. Um, you know, like I said, all of these are kind of a double-edged sword. It's like there are positives and negatives to all of these. And so I just want to reiterate that because I'm not trying to um, negate or belittle anyone's experience with the negative aspects of these things, but I'm just trying to keep it positive. And um, hyperfocus is a thing that I've gone back and forth on loving and hating it, but there are a lot of things that I do love about it. Okay, so the next one is the ability to create and stick to a routine. And holy moly, guys, routines are everything to me. <laughs> I love my routines, and I have so many of them. Some are small little things. Some are more elaborate routines. But this is what makes my life feel good, is having routines. And it served me positively because once I'm into a routine... I can stick with it. And people have been like, especially with fitness type of things, people have been like, oh my gosh, you're so dedicated. Like, how do you stick to it? And I'm like, it's just my routine. Like, I just have a routine. I work out every day, except Thursdays and Sundays. Like, that's just, it's part of my routine. I just do it. Like, you can't not do your routine. <laughs> like, sometimes I don't feel like doing it, but I do it anyway, because it's part of my routine. So, um... I'm definitely good at, especially once a routine is created, sometimes if there's a change in routine and I have to change things up and I'm not ready to do that, that can be a challenge. But like once the new routine is created and I'm in it, then it's created and I'm in it. And it's really, really been helpful to me in a lot of ways. Um, and I don't know what I would do without my routines. I feel like my life would fall apart. Okay, the next one is special interests. This sort of goes hand in hand with the hyperfocus thing. Um, although I can hyperfocus on things that aren't necessarily a special interest, um, I do really love that I have these things in my life that I get so passionate about and am so interested in and love to think really deeply about or participate in. Um... It's just, I don't know, and this is another one of the things that I guess I didn't really realize was related to autism. Because I kind of, I guess I realized that not everyone has this. But, I don't know, I guess, I don't know. I just never really thought it was a thing that was related to autism. I guess because in the media they show us, like, again, back to the media's portrayal of autism and the typical male white male presentation um where it's like oh well he's obsessed with trains 
notes and he knows everything about every train ever made and every part of the train and every train schedule and every train station and my special interests don't work that way. Um, I definitely, um, a lot of my special interests are actually activities. Um, one of them is astronomy and I do know quite a bit about astronomy, but not to the point where it's like, I know every detail about every planet or every thing that's ever happened or whatever. It's like, but I do enjoy learning and reading and watching things about astronomy, um, a lot, <laughs> um, and talking about that topic a lot. Um, but I guess, yeah, I just never realized because like a lot of these things, I've never been shown this as an autism thing because all we see of autism is this very straightforward, typical presentation. So I never knew. So special interests are great and I love them and I'm glad that my brain grasps onto things and holds onto them and loves them and obsesses over them. I don't think obsession is a bad word necessarily, especially if it's bringing you joy and my special interests bring me so much joy. And that's awesome. Okay, so I have four more left just to let you guys know. Next one is hyper empathy. Um, oh, I can hear my Roomba coming down the hall. I need to go close the door because I don't want her to come in my bedroom where I'm recording because it's very distracting. Let me close my door. Sorry, taking a little detour here. Okay. See, and I'm not going to edit this out. This is keeping it real. I've got a busy life at home with my Roomba, guys. <laughs> so, um, okay. So, hyper-empathy. I feel very deeply, which in the past, also, I'll say again, I have not liked this about myself because other people have said they don't like this about me. And I have let other people's ideas of what's good or not about me infiltrate into my brain to make me think that I shouldn't like these things about myself. But I am 41 and I am done doing that. And I've been done doing that for a little while. Hyperempathy, again, can sometimes trip me up big time. But we're not talking about the negatives. We are talking about the positives. And this is also a huge positive in my life. Um, I care very deeply. I care very deeply for people. I care even more deeply for animals. Hence the rescued piggy. And the fact that I'm vegan and the fact that I kind of like hanging out with animals more than I like hanging out with people. Because <laughs> um, animals are just so pure. They're just so pure and wonderful and straightforward. They don't... There's no mystery there with animals. If they like you, you know it. If they don't, you know it. I appreciate that. So anyway, hyper-empathy. I like being able to tune into other people's emotions. Um, I'm better at doing this with people I know really well. Sometimes I can get vibes from other people and figure them out. 
there are other times I'm not so good at this. It depends on the person. There are some people who I, I find very hard to read. Um, but there are other people that I can definitely find nuance in everything they're saying and be like, oh, like, I'm picking up that this person feels sad. Like, it's very, it's very odd. I think I just have an intuition sometimes, like I said, with certain people. Um, and I, I just... I like being a person who cares a lot, even if sometimes it puts me in a position where I've been hurt, um, or I've been told that I'm too sensitive emotionally, or it's caused me to get taken advantage of. Even though there are all of those aspects of it, I would not change this because looking back and looking forward, like in all situations, I'm proud of the fact that I am a caring, loving, kind person. And I know that about myself. And I like that about myself. I think that's a great quality these days. And being able to be there for someone and connect with them and like feel for them deeply in something that they're going through or just having big feelings, just feeling everything big. It's great. I feel like it's makes me more human. I don't know. Okay. So three more. Next one. Resilience. I have been told by a lot of people that they think I'm resilient. Not a lot of people, but a few people close to me in my life. Um, my stepdad recently told me that. Like, like you get knocked down and you just get up. Like, you just, no matter what has happened, you just keep getting back up. And I'm like, isn't that what everyone does, though? Like, what's the other option? But I think, like, when you go through life with a bit of a struggle. Um, you ha you sort of have to build resilience, you know, like there's no way not to, you're not going to make it if you don't, if you're not resilient, if you can't be like, okay, this thing happened and that sucked, but okay. And this also sort of goes along with not really caring what other people think. Um, because I think that's a big part of being resilient sometimes is like, not looking at a situation or maybe a mistake or like a big life change or something that trips you up in life. I think maybe sometimes people get stuck on like, oh my gosh, like what do people think about this thing or this situation or what I did or how do I look? Like, how is this going to look? And, you know, that can really hinder your healing and your ability to bounce back from something. And for me, it's just more about wading through my own emotional turmoil about something or um working through the details of a thing of like a major change or like you know it just takes me a little bit of time to recenter myself and then I can just yeah I just get up and keep on going because it's like you know what what else am I gonna do and I really appreciate that about myself okay the next one is um 
being open-minded and accepting. Um, again, this goes back to the whole, like, maybe I didn't need to write so many of these because they all go back to like one of the other ones or some of them do like this goes back with the defying convention one, the not really considering social norms because like, I don't know. I appreciate all different types of people. I accept all different types of people, um, to an extent, as long as you're not hurting anyone. That's my one caveat. It's like, if you're not hurting anyone by what you're doing or who you're being, then by all means, like, you're not here to live your life for me or anyone else. Like, do what you want to do. You know, go for it. Be who you're going to be. Um, my son came out as trans at the age of 15. He's now 23. And this is just an example. I had no problem with it. I was like, he came to me. He was nervous. I could tell. He was like, hey, like, I'm trans. I'm transgender. And I was like, oh. All right. Like, I didn't expect that, but okay. And like, so many people were commending me. Well, there were two sides of it. There were a lot of people that were commending me and being like, oh my gosh, good for you. This must be so hard. And you're being so understanding. And I'm like, it's not hard. The only thing that was hard was seeing my kids struggle because he was going through a thing where he was trying to transition during a very awkward and vulnerable time of life at the age of 15 in high school. Um, and it went pretty smooth, actually as smooth as it possibly could, but like people were commending me for being so understanding. Um, other people were like, appalled they were not appalled but they were just like oh my gosh like how could no like no he's not trans or like maybe this is just a phase or like and I'm like no like a person knows who they are I don't care if he's only especially in the instance of being trans like you know who you are like he's not gonna do this for attention or because it's a phase it definitely was not a fad at his school during this time um it wasn't a thing that he was the first openly out transgender person that had ever gone to that high school so it wasn't like there was any influence it was just like it didn't make sense to me that people were thinking along those lines it's like straightforward my son came to me he told me this thing okay that's that your gender doesn't match your sex <laughs> you're assigned sex at birth you know like it doesn't match that happens sometimes okay like what do we need to do that's that. Not a big deal. Um, so yeah, I love that I'm open-minded and I'm accepting of all types of people. It's like, it doesn't make sense to me to be any other way, to be honest. And the last one is, I am loyal. I am a very, very loyal person. And I have an ability to make really deep connections with the right people. So if I click with someone, which admittedly does not happen super often for me, 
I can appreciate people. I can connect with people on a surface level, have a little interaction, whatever. But like for me to want to be friends with someone and try and continue and maintain a friendship and relationship with someone, which I'm also not very good at, but like for me to want to do that, there needs to be like a feeling that there's a deeper connection there or that one is possible. And this is just something I know about someone and it's either there or it's not. If I don't feel it pretty quickly after meeting someone, most likely I'm not ever going to. Um, But once I have that with someone, I'm loyal. I'm a loyal friend. I will love you to death. We will have great times. I will be there for you. All of the things. And I think... Sorry, I just had to pause for a second. I don't know if you all will notice that that happened, but my um partner got home from an appointment and I needed to pause and talk to them for a second. So I'm back and I was talking about loyalty. And yeah, my loyalty to people, my loyalty to places and to things even <laughs> sometimes, to television shows, <laughs> to foods. I mean, the loyalty doesn't just stop with people. I'm loyal to a lot of things, but I think when we're looking at relationships, um, loyalty is a huge thing. Um, Friendships, and even in romantic relationships, um, I've always been a very loyal partner to whoever I'm with. I do not understand the concept of, like, cheating on someone or... Even those couples that kind of seem to, like, hate each other, but somehow they're still in a relationship, but they're always, like, talking bad about each other or behind each other's backs, and I'm like, I don't understand or register that. Like, this isn't this your person that you're choosing to be with and who you supposedly love? And I, yeah, doesn't register, does not compute. Um, so I'm loyal, and I think that is a quality, I mean, that's a quality that you don't have to be autistic to be loyal for sure. But like, I think a lot of autistic people or probably most autistic people are more likely to hold this quality of loyalty. And I don't know about the deep connections part. I know there are some autistic people that do have a struggle with making deep connections with anyone. Um, as do I, like I said, um, it has to be with the right person and the right circumstance and it doesn't come along often. Um, and I think maybe that is why I'm so loyal because I do really have a great appreciation for when that does happen in my life. Um, I think that people who easily connect with others might take it for granted more. Um, I know, I I do know some people that, um, this seems to be the case. Like they have a lot of connections with a lot of people. I don't know how deep the connections are, but they seem to just have a lot of friends and a lot of stuff going on all the time with different people. And I think it's because I don't have that. I don't have the ability to do that or have that, that when a person comes along and enters my life that I do really enjoy, that I do want to see and connect with and talk to, it feels really special And that makes me feel a great loyalty to that person. So, anyway, this has been a very long episode. And I try not to make my episodes 
too long, but this one was all about positivity, so I don't feel bad about the fact that it's a little bit longer. And um, I guess I had a lot to say on this, which is also a good sign, because, you know, like I said, we can have a tendency to kind of go towards the negative a little bit, especially with a disability, quote-unquote, such as autism. I know sometimes it is a disability. Um, it does affect our lives negatively at times, and there's no way around that. But looking at the positives at times, when you're able to, can be helpful. And so I hope this episode was helpful to some of you who are listening, and I would love to hear some of your positives. Do you relate to any of mine? Do you have any of your own that maybe I left off of my list? Maybe I can relate to yours. Um, Reach out and let me know. I'll put my email in the uh, show notes and my Instagram account. If you're not following me on Instagram and you want to see the new little piglet that we adopted, I am spamming all sorts of tiny piglet videos right now and probably for the next several months of our new little piglet named Duck. And we named her Duck because her noises when she grunts because she's so little right now, she sounds like a duck. (laughs) And we kind of like unconventional names in this household. So Duck seemed like a fitting name for our little quacky piglet. So she's adorable. And I'm going to wrap this up so I can go out in my yard, even though it's super hot, and uh, spend a little bit of time with her and give her some belly scratches. So I hope you all enjoyed this episode. I really enjoyed recording this one. It was nice to talk about all of this stuff that makes me and probably a lot of you wonderfully unique in such good ways. So everyone take care and I'll talk to you next time.